You're listening to a podcast of Spurious Morality. And welcome to a podcast of spurious morality. Uh, you're here for our June, and only said July then, I'm jumping ahead in time. You're here for our June releases summary episode. So we're going to talk about the things that Big Finish have put out this month and uh, discuss how much we like them. Uh, with me today, I have got Jay. Hello. And I have got Connor. Hello. So good to have you both on. Um, Spoiler warning is basically anything Big Finisher put out this month. So that's Wink, uh, Warmaster Self-Defense, Torchwood Dead Plates, uh, The Nine from the Fourth Doctor Adventures, and Silver and Ice with the Seventh Doctor. I suppose The Nine kind of has stuff from mm-hmm. Doom Coalition and uh, Legacy of Time on it. So yeah, it's a fairly self-contained spoiler warning, I guess. It is just stuff Big Finisher brought out over the last month. Oh, the reboss operation. Maybe we'll spoil the reboss operation. Um, but you've had a few years to watch it since it came out. Yeah. <laughs> Catch up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if you haven't watched the reboss operation, then go and watch The Key to Time. Watch all of it in order. It's amazing. Yeah, best season. Absolutely love it. Uh, so first of all, I'm going to ask you what your favourite big finish release of the last month is. So Jay, you go first. Wink, a hundred million percent. It's probably my top ten big finish of all time. It's great, but I'm sure I'll talk about it in great detail later. The, the beautiful release. Yeah, me and Connor have already done our sort of bonus episode about how much we loved it. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll get your thoughts on that in a little bit. Uh, what about you, Connor? Favourite release of the month? Yeah, I'm going to stick with Wink as well. Uh, Jay is going to talk about it. I have already talked about it. It wouldn't be a Doctor Who podcast without a bit of timey-wiminess. So, um, yeah, I like that one the most out of them all, I think. Um, it's it's very hard to beat David Tennant and Colin Baker and some Weeping Angels in the same story, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's definitely up there for me as well. Um, I did also really enjoy Torchwood Dead Plates, which I'll talk about in a bit. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, neither of you two have listened to that. So nope. Nope, I won't spoil too much for you, but I am going to talk about it a bit later. Also a shout-out for uh, the Warmaster, though, uh, Self-Defence, in which the Warmaster finally sort of... Uh, has another encounter with David Tennant's Doctor. So let's talk about that first. Uh, Jay, what were your thoughts on it? 
Right off the bat, I wish this box set was David's and Jacoby throughout all of it. Because when listening to it, I think it's fallen into the same trouble that I've had with most Warmaster box sets. Is that you've had two filler episodes and a decent episode and then a really good finale. But apart from that, I love Derek Jack, whatever Derek Jacoby's in. And he always manages to save it just that little bit. And uh, this new box set's no different. I think he gave a great performance in all of the episodes, especially in the third story where he's, um, when that lady's trying to get into his head and he goes in his massive speech about how he's burnt plants and everything. Great bit of acting. And then him and David in the finale worked so well together. But another issue that I've sort of had since um, Killing Time is what is their obsession with shoving everything in the middle of the Sky Man? There's like this whole big era of the War Master that we haven't seen. But why just stick to that little bit? I find it so constricting for this for this range. And I really hope after the next set they step out of it and go to more broader horizons of this character. Like how he started and etc etc. It'd be nice to see. But yes, I think it was a very good box set. I, I, I must say, even though I do have some weak points with some of the lesser good stories i still enjoy the range it's probably one of my favorites i always pre-order the bundle so they must be doing something right i think um there's an interesting point uh, about them setting so much of it in the sky man um it's they did kind of pigeonhole themselves with that a little bit in the first release because uh only was it only the only the good the first set i get yeah. that and only the monstrous mixed up but only the monstrous was war doctor wasn't it um, at the end of that set, obviously, they had the master go off and use his chameleon arch, and it leads into Utopia, effectively. Um, so it's sort of a shame that they did that, and it's as a result, absolutely everything they release Warmaster from now on is to some extent going to be a prequel, or at least set before that very first set so yeah it, it's an interesting point that they've kind of these releases are very timey-wimey and they're probably not particularly yeah. easy to put into like, a chronological yeah. order like they gave us the war doctor begins why can't we have the war master begins i think it'd be an interesting approach to see how that incarnation of the master started because we literally don't really know how he started we know how he ended but what caused this master to end up the way he is now, sort of thing? Oh, I like that idea. Um, Connor, Call me Big Finish. Well, yeah, yeah, Big Finish. Get in touch with Jake. I was definitely onto something here. Uh, Connor, your thoughts on the self-defence? I really enjoyed it. There's been um, there's a couple of the War Master sets that I'm maybe not so keen on, um, but this one falls into thankfully um, one of my more my more liked uh, ones. Um, I think they've got to the stage now with the War Master where they've developed a sort of house style, um, and in particular, uh, you know, it cops up in a few places. Basically, the entire of the entire set uh, of Master of Callus, um, the Forest of Penitence in this in this set in particular again, and I suppose uh, the one that always comes to mind as well is the Survivor from Rage of the Time Lords, the very first episode in that third set, um, which is where you have the Master sort of infiltrating his way into a group of very flawed characters, letting their personalities and you know he sort of takes a back seat, letting their personalities and flaws. 
um, sort of build up and you know interact with each other. And then he steps in at the very last minute, takes advantage of everything he's learned, and just completely decimates them. Um, and that, uh, particularly in the in the forest of penitence, felt very um, very obvious, very prevalent. Um, the other stories do slightly move away from that. I, I, I enjoyed the players quite a bit. Um, I maybe wasn't so keen on boundaries because it, it makes a big deal of revisiting this, you know, the world from the Skyman and bringing Cole back. But then it sort of abandons it in favour of what is basically a completely different environment and a completely different threat. Um... Which I felt, which I thought felt a little bit weird, you know. Um, only the good. There are gaps between those stories. You you could have brought the master and Cole back from you know from that era, um, without necessarily involving the Skyman, which I should say is pretty much perfect, and I love it. Um. So, yeah, that would be my only note. My only my only criticism as far as that you know that's the, that would be my main criticism is that there, but. Then we get that last episode with David Tennant and we get a wrong righted from 2007, which is that T Jacoby was only the master for really a couple of minutes at the end of Utopia. And we didn't get a lot of interaction between you know, the master and the doctor. We get that here. I love every single minute of it. I love in particular that the doctor sort of has an almost... PTSD response when he realizes that the master's manipulating everyone and he's 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 got a plan and he's about to win. Um, it's really really unsettling to have the doctor almost on the verge of panic throughout that one. Um, or sort of you know as as it goes on, the doctor feels more and more unsettled and it ends up in outright panic at the end. I really really like that. It was so well done. Mm. So yeah, I really I really did enjoy it. I thought I thought it was a, a great set, and I'm I'm looking forward to re-listening re at uh, some point soon. Hmm. I think it um it did maybe suffer is the wrong word, but there's definitely a sense in there that as you're listening to it, you know the tenth Doctor's coming up in that final episode, and you kind yeah. of just you're waiting for it to happen, and I think automatically it kind of puts the first three episodes at a disadvantage. It's yep. They're not the feature episode. They're not the one you're sort of like really Rage looking forward to. Like Rage of the Time to. Lords, really. Rage of the Time Lords is kind of similar with McGann when he pops up. That's what, Personally, when I was listening to it, that's what I was thinking of. Are we going to pop up near the end? Yeah, and it's it's happened with you know the River Song sets as well when yeah. um, uh, sort of the... The first River Song set, for example, it was very much, uh, you know, the Eighth Doctor's in it as well. The Eighth Doctor's going to meet River Song in this set, but it is only in the last episode. And you do kind of find yourself throughout the first three going, oh, is the Doctor here yet? Um, yeah. It's very difficult, I suppose, to sort of take that step back and go, mm -hmm. well, I'm not listening to Doctor Who here. I am listening to the War Master. The Doctor is just a guest character, and actually, it's Jacoby's Masters the main character. This yeah. is, it's his series, um, and it it is a bit of a step back, isn't it? It is a bit of a process yeah. to just actually sort of go. It's not Doctor Who. Um, it's Master Who. It, it's Master Who, exactly. <laughs> but I was just thinking, like listening, listening to you talking about it. I, I, I thought I'd think it'd be really interesting if they had done this set 
with all this cult stuff, I know to put the Doctor in all of the Master's adventures, like Aston Master sort of thing, like, like they did in Trial of the Time Lord. Um, it, I think it'd be quite interesting, actually, to, you know, you've got the scenario of the Master is on yeah. trial, and it is a little bit Trial of a Time Lord-like. Mm. Um, it would have been interesting to kind of have the Master as a slightly unreliable narrator, mm. and maybe even have the Doctor as the villain, Quotation yeah. mark. He wears that so much better than what stories. I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> um, so actually, yeah, I, I really like that idea, um, and that's something they could play with, I suppose. In a way, um, it has been explored before because they did the Doctor and the Master body swap kind of thing, but that's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about essentially the master telling a story but putting himself in the doctor's shoes and putting the doctor in his mm. shoes uh it could be quite interesting um i do think that self-defense i do think that the highlight of the set was absolutely that final episode mm. uh whether or not it was the fact that david tennant was in it and obviously it was brilliant because anything david tennant touches that's doctor who related automatically turns to gold or something like that Dalekanium. um but i think that it was genuinely the strongest episode of the set the strongest story of the four but it was kind of the big season finale as well it's like saying the parting of the ways is the best episode of series one it's is it or are you just saying that because it's the big epic one that sticks in your head because it's the finale yeah no i think i agree with that i, I, I definitely single you know uh um the last line out is my favorite from that set. it was interesting what you said about the master being an unreliable narrator because i think there was a little bit uh, or sorry there was a little bit of that in um boundaries where um the master says or he says something um it's it's the the people being turned into trees and sort of roots growing down into the earth and um, the judge or or magistrate or whoever it is interrupts him and says, hold on, that's what just happened to you outside in the forest. Um, you're making this up. Um, you know, the master might well be, we have no idea, making this entire testimony up. For all we know, um, the events that are supposed to take place in the Skyman there, you know, maybe didn't. Um, as was that was how I thought of it when I was listening to it. So we can't actually trust the master's testimonies to the court in this either. Which does definitely add an interesting spin. But yeah, maybe that could have been taken a, a step yeah, further. further yeah. But it, I, mean, I think the master's such a very interesting character to kind of get into the psyche mm. of. So, I mean, I'd actually like to hear the war master reciting the events of you know, a classic Doctor Who story, something we all yeah. know and love. Let's say Plan Planet of Fire, for example, you know, and it, and then, you know, the the evil Doctor burnt me alive. Um but just hearing a Doctor Who story from his perspective. That'd be very be good. Give me take my money. <laughs> yeah, it's there's definitely uh you know, how how the master saw it, how the master interpreted mm. events. A courtroom comedy could, with uh, the master. Do, uh... I'd listen to that. <laughs> they could do uh, Zagreus oh after that, uh, that was... nursery rhyme. Just yeah. 
get to hear Derek Jacobi do the Zagreus nursery rhyme. I've never listened to Zagreus, <laughs> but I really enjoyed that. I was like, oh, that's a nice nod. It's the, there've been a few sort of quite nice references to Big Finish's own sort of continuity. Wasn't there recently. a Zagreus mention in um, oh Station to Station in the Ninth Doctor box set as well? It was Long Barrow. Oh, Long Barrow. Sorry. Yeah, oh yes, it was. Yeah, it was a lumbar okay, reference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Big Finish has sort of become quite confident with referencing its own continuity. Yeah. You know, the Evelyn reference at the end of uh, Waterworlds that we talked about last month, and that kind of thing. But it, it's, I I really enjoy stuff like that. Sort of Big Finish have their very own. Was it twenty three year history now? And yeah, they should be mining from that, and they should be celebrating that. Um, and I actually quite like it when Big Finish do sequels to their own stories. Shall we uh, drift on to our next story, or next release? Um, well, next up, uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit about uh, Torchwood Dead Plates, which was this week's, this week's, this month's monthly release. Um, I really enjoy the Torchwood Monthlies. I think it's consistently been a very strong range. I think it's always sort of played the fact that it has very small casts and it's very claustrophobic and it's never epic. Uh, It's always played that to its advantage. These stories are very much about characters. And I think Billis as a character... Uh, has evolved a great deal at Big Finish. We've learned very little about him on TV, Torchwood. He was effectively just slightly odd villain of the week. Um, And Big Finish have kept him as slightly odd villain of the week, but slightly odd villain of the week with a very, very interesting backstory that we're only given shreds of. We still don't know who he is. We still don't know uh, really who he works for or what motivates him. Um, But he is... He obviously has his own agenda, and I like to think it's something that's going to be very slowly unveiled a little bit more by Big Finish. But at the same time, having him as this enigma, I I think the only character I can really compare him to is the curator. Um, And even now, you know, we know a lot more about the curator than we did before. So yeah, Billis is a thoroughly interesting character, and I think Dead Plates might actually be the best release in with with him in so far. Uh, it's familiar territory. It's actually very similar to what we were talking about with the War Master before, how he ends up in a situation with a lot of flawed characters and basically plays their flaws against them. Uh, it's precisely what happens in this episode, and it's very effective. I think this one, the characters are a lot more well-rounded than in previous releases Uh, it's very similar to dead man's switch which came out a couple of years ago but i think this just kind of plays with the format a little bit better and the characters are quite a bit stronger so yeah it's another very very enjoyable torchwood monthly release and uh, i i will never ever tire of this range it is an awful lot of fun to listen to it's one I need to, or I think I definitely need to get into a little mm-hmm. bit more um, because I've heard so many good things about it now. Um, but because I always feel a little bit apprehensive because I don't really have that much experience with the TV series. I think I've seen the first 
three. You haven't seen Miracle Day. You're not so, missing much. From what I understand, I'm not not missing all that much there. But I don't really know it just so well, and I think I would have trouble dropping into you know the Bella stories, for example. But I think I maybe need to make a wee bit more of an effort there because I've heard so many good things about them. I think you can safely listen to anything Big Finish Torchwood without having heard Miracle Day. I think there's some kind of rightsy type thing going on uh, that stipulates they're not allowed to use anything from Miracle Day. Mm. So beyond a very, very vague minor reference, actually, um, you are probably safe with just series one to three. Um, And it really does expand on those three series and those characters. And uh, there are some fantastic episodes that kind of take place over sort of the entire continuity of series one, two and three and slightly beyond um, and kind of fill in some gaps and that sort of thing. So yeah, it, it's, I would thoroughly recommend it as a range. I think it is one of the strongest things big finisher ever done. And if you like good character work, it's definitely one for you. All right. We shall squidge on them. Uh, the fourth Doctor Adventures uh, returned this month with the nine. Um, and I've been looking forward to this because as with all fourth Doctor Adventures, we knew that it was going to happen yonks in advance. We knew the fourth Doctor was going to meet the nine. Was it three, four years ago, something like that? Yeah. Um, in the same way we knew he was going to meet the Master in Blood of the Time Lord. So it's... It, it's quite nice that this has come along at last and uh, I did quite like Dreams of Avarice but um, as a set, what did you think of it, Jay? Right, as a set right um, I don't, two of the stories I didn't really gel with at all, the only story that I really gelled with, hang on, I'm just making sure Connor hasn't got a sniper aimed at my head was the Dreams of Avarice, which I really, really enjoyed. And it's really climbed up my favourite Fourth Doctor audio list. I just found it such a funny script. I haven't cackled that much listening to a big Finnish audio in ages. And I love the police officer that he gets lumped with. And I, re- I would pay so much money just to have... The, the doctor and this policeman, sorry, Margaret, give me the policeman instead, because they were so funny together. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. The second story, Shell Shock, I thought was a very, very good premise for a story. I just don't think it was executed very well, and I really struggled with the accent. And the last story, Peak Season, I thought was sweet, but I don't think it is very much for me. Two-part Tom stories aren't really anyway. But yes, very much enjoyed Dreams of Avarice. Yeah, that's my review. <laughs> Hide in now. Okay, let's take a deep breath. And uh, Connor, um, what did you think? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm almost a mirror image there of, of Jay's opinions. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> um, so I wasn't... I. I should preface this by saying I really love what what's the name they use for the nine and the eleven? Is it the collective? Uh, I've heard people refer to them as the collective. Yeah, yeah, I I love I really do like them um, because it's quite fun that you get different actors doing 
different interpretations of the same incarnations, but then get you know they get to do their own twist on them. And um, there's that bit, you know, there's the one when um the nine meets the eleven, and he's like, oh, you do that one differently. Um, so I do like that, and I really like um John Heffernan as an actor, but I don't think he gets a great deal of material to work with in in Dreams of Avarice. I think. Um, whenever I listened to it, I made a note. It was like, take a shot every time someone says the word things. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, but it, it wasn't... I've, I've, I can see myself maybe getting to like it a bit more on re-listen in future. Um, it's definitely one I'm, I'm willing to change my mind on. I like Shellshock. Um, interestingly, I'm, I'm wondering, is that maybe um, Christopher Naylor's audition piece as Harry? Because when he turns up as as um the British officer, he sounds he's he's pretty much doing the Harry Sullivan voice, um and that was like oh my goodness, I am really looking forward to hearing him again in in some new Fourth Doctor adventures. Um, I think they've said um they're gonna do some new material with Harry and Sarah, um at some point in the future. I'm really I looking forward to those. I loved, I absolutely loved Peak Season, um. So I did. Um, I love there's like this slightly heightened fantastical atmosphere, you know, running throughout it. It's really, really funny. And actually, that final cameo, I I laughed my head off at. Um, <laughs> that was that was really well done. I loved the ending of that one where they're all running from him. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, John when I say run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I I I did really like that, and it's it's one I definitely will include if I ever do it fourth doctor favorites marathon right the first it really reminded me of a something like a story douglas adams would have written in that sort of sense of humor that he had that's the, that's the first thing i thought of when listening to it i thought i because in my opinion guy adams is a very Douglas Adams-like writer. Some of the stories he's done are very Douglas Adams-esque. I don't know if Connor agrees with me, because he's a big Douglas Adams fan, but that's always the impression I get when I listen to a Guy Adams story, and I got it majorly during Dreams of Avarice, and I think that's why I liked it a little bit more. Like, I know it's not meant to be set in that season, but it's a season, it's a story I could vividly imagine being in, like, season 16 or season 17 with the humour that I had. But yes, I really enjoyed James of Avarice. Sorry, I, Connor. Actually, I think you've got a really good point there about Guy Adams generally. Um, has it, has Guy Adams actually written anything that's meant to be set during season 17? Because I'd, I'd like to hear that. I genuinely think that... I think you're onto something there, yeah. Um, no, I can definitely see uh, you know where where you're coming from there, Jay. Um, as I said, it's one I'll be happy to change my mind on. I do love the imagery of the nine stealing a planet. That's, I suppose, inevitable for the nine. Um, and I did quite like the bit where they got stuck in his head actually. Um, and they start um, you know, seeing the different versions of him, um, or the you know the different personalities sort of come to hunt them. Um, in his through his mind, um. So that was that was uh, something uh, that I did like about the dreams of avarice. I suppose the obvious question to ask at this point is: Would you like to see here from more 
regenerations of the the yes. eleven, the nine. Yes, absolutely. We've, I mean, we've heard four now, haven't we? We've heard the eight, the nine, the eleven, and the twelve. Yeah, there, there's um, one story I really do want to see with an incarnation of the nine. It's something. It, it's a concept that me and Connor spoke about yonks ago. That uh, because apparently the the tenth incarnation is hypno uses hypnosis. So he sort of imagined that character in the three DA setting where he thinks he's going to encounter the master and has the ten instead, and that sort of dynamic with like Sarah or Liz. I think that'd be really good. I'd like to see that incarnation in a three DA setting. I'd actually quite like to explore the earlier regenerations, you know, the two where it's only two voices in the head or the three or um, so it's not as busy and you've not got as many sort of interrupting voices. And I suppose, you know, the way the character would react to its other selves would be very different um, because, you know, having three voices in your head must be very, very different from having 11 um, so yeah, I'd like to explore those earlier regenerations um, mm. at some point. Uh, but I, I, I think the the character as a whole has so much more mileage. I know some people yeah. sort of complain about overuse of the eleven. I, I just don't get it at all. I, I thought the uh, eleven box set we got last year very good. It wasn't my favorite release ever, but I, it did show kind of a new side to the eleven, mm. giving the eleven their own episode. That I it really did do wonders for a character that has been used quite a lot and has yeah. appeared a lot and has met quite a few doctors. It's, it's interesting you bring that set up, actually. I'd love more box sets that are like doctor and villain sort of thing that builds up on their dynamic sort of thing, like the Eleven, and it's the doctor and it's villain over three stories to really get it. Like, um, character study, that's what I view the Eleven as, that box yeah. set. I'd love more releases like that. Because I, I did think it was very good, and I heard it. It it, it was a nice, different kind of set, um, and and it was completely about the eleven. It was more about the eleven than it was about the sixth Doctor and Constance, mm. and I enjoyed that an awful lot. But let's let's stick to June. Uh, yeah. The next thing we're going to talk about from June then is Wink. Um, so. Obviously, my my thoughts and Connor's thoughts can be found on our on the bonus episode we did around the time it came out. I'll I'll tweet a link sometime soon yeah. so you can catch up with it, listeners, if you haven't heard it. Um, but Jake, wink, you enjoyed it, didn't you? Oh, did I enjoy it? Yes, I did. Lisa McMullen, because of this stuff, because it was like this beforehand anyway. But every time I see her name on a release. I have a massive smile because I think she has such a way with writing characters, especially side characters, to make them interesting. And I think she, she very much succeeded with Wink. I think with the Out of Time trilogy as a whole, it was it could have been so easy for them to be like, oh, lockdown, quick, bash out three stories because we got Tom, McKenna, and David. But it didn't feel like that. This story had so much heart in it beautifully written, a great concept, a planet where people can't see, what a great planet they have weeping angels on, the sound design, everything about it was so good. And I know some people I've seen in other reviews say that um, David and Colin were the weakest um, relationship, 
between the three stories we've had. I disagree. I think it's one of the strongest because they're so vastly different from each other. We've got we've got um, Ten who's all happy and jolly, bouncing up and down, and Colin that's more grumpier and sarcastic. And I think it gelled beautifully, like that scene in the TARDIS where Ten's trying to tell Six about the Weeping Angels. And he's like, of course I know what Weeping Angels are. Why are you telling me? It's such a funny script. Great writing. And Lisa really capped off this trilogy with Banger. And I reckon it's going to be one that I'm going to revisit quite often. And I really hope they're proud of it because it was a very, very good story. So, yeah, that's my review of Wink. 10 out of 10. Solid 10 out of 10. Not just any 10 out of 10. Um. Yeah, I, I completely agree with all of that. I, I mean, as I said on the episode at the time, I really enjoyed it. And I think that actually having two very, I mean, I mean, 10 and 6, they're both very sort of brash and confident and loud doctors. They're the kind of doctor mm. that walks into the room and goes, I am now in charge of this room and you're all going to do as I say. And everyone does as they say. Um, and that was played off quite nicely that, they were both. Mm. They both wanted to be in charge. They were both playing at being in yeah. charge. Good cop, bad cop, sort of scenario. Good doc, bad doc. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know we talked about it previously, Connor. But have you sort of any? Now that it's been a little while, have you any sort of further thoughts about it or anything else that you'd like to bring up? Um. It's one I it's one I risk I, I I with the out of time one the other two out of time ones I have re listened to them quite quickly, and um, I haven't got round to doing this one again. Um, so I'll I'll stand by my my comments from the bonus episode. I um. I stand by I think with a little bit of time to sort of reflect on the other two and and compare this in my head. I think I'm happy to say it's the best of them. I think it has the most unique premise. And makes the best use of, I suppose, the angels and you know, as you've mentioned there, the uh, you know, a planet that where the people don't have the concept of sight. I think it it makes the best use of that. Um, so you know, that's not to say that the, that the other ones weren't interesting or good because they were, and I love the whole trilogy. I'm really looking forward to doing the three, you know, back to back. But yeah, I think I think Wink maybe just stands a little bit above the other two. Um, you know, great. A little bit of hindsight now. I do wonder if uh, the Weeping Angels give it a bit of advantage in that in that sort of area. Um, I I also agree that Wink is the best of the three, but um, they're very different villains to Daleks and Cybermen. Now Daleks and Cybermen they do have interesting things. There are things you can do with them, but we hear too much of them. Well, not even that. I th- I just think that in out of times one and two, um, yeah. they were very much used as sort of villain with gun that goes around shooting. Bang, bang. Yeah, exactly. Um, Rehash plot that we've done before with the villains. I think I'm going to, don't be interrupting what you were saying though, Johnny, but I think with Daleks and Cybermen, there's only so much that you can do with them now. And I think there's much more space to be creative with the Weeping Angels. And I think that really stands out because all you got is Dalek shouting in Out of Time 1. Then you've got the Cybermen doing their Cybermen thing in uh, Out of Time 2. But you've got Weeping Angels doing something really 
creatively new and fresh for them. Uh, I did think it did stick out like a sore thumb, but I did enjoy the trilogy the whole. So I'm not like go to hell. That's bad. I, but yeah, I suppose Weeping Angels do have the advantage of they've been round. 40 odd years less than Cybermen and Dalek yeah. so there's there's a lot more to be mined and explored with them um, I mean I, I do think you can still do interesting things with the Cybermen it's you know uh, a few years ago we had Warzone for example uh, in the monthly range which mm. I mean it, it's in my top five Cybermen stories ever it's absolutely fantastic it's I've not heard that but the thing is it's not even a Cyberman story they're not in it so, yeah. Oh, I know that's left you with something to think about. It's one of the best Cybermen stories there's ever been, and the Cybermen aren't even in it. And you're completely right. <laughs> you're completely right in that. It's it's, it's so accurate. I, I, I know we're getting very slightly away from, you know, this month's releases, but I, I don't think I agree that um, the Daleks and the Cybermen are used uncreatively. And, and the other two out-of-time ones, I think... Um, uh, there's maybe an argument to be made with the Dalek one, but like the Daleks are the main villains in Doctor Who, you know, and that's the way they're used in that one. They're they're a threat. They're a sort of unstoppable wave moving throughout the cathedral that the two Doctors have to get out of the way of and have to work around. And they're maybe more. They fall, I think, more into more of a background role as you know the two Doctors sort of chat to each other and and get that perspective from the two points in their lives. The Cybermen, I would argue, aren't just a bang bang shooty, you know, force in in um in Out of Time 2. Because you get that time travel plot with them sort of moving back through its its uh, Joseph's life, I think. Um and um that the leader the leader in it or the scout one, the recon scout Cyberman Mm. does feel quite threatening and does feel a little bit more individual than the other ones so so yeah i would argue that that, that out of time does actually use all three of them quite well no fair enough it, it's i mean jay has got a point we do get a lot of dalek and cybermen stories yeah. and it, it's it is very easy to forget that they are very invent the creatures that are very sort of inventive in terms of what writers can do with them and there are new ways of exploring them and uh, yeah I, I i never want to stop hearing dalek and cyberman stories but i do want to sort of see them explored a little bit i think the cybermen in particular have reached a point now where the logic is effectively oh well cybermen evolve all over the place and they're just very very different uh, and mm. it, almost as if it's a natural, a natural stage of evolution for any race that becomes so advanced. And I'd, I'd, I'd actually quite like it to be pulled back in and brought under one kind of central concept. You know, there's the cyber controller that's doing. You know, even if it is supposedly a natural evolution, maybe it isn't. And again, it's something that kind of Warzone. I'm mentioning it again, even though it's came out years ago and not this month is something that that explores we shall move on to our final section it's our usual final section which is what have we been listening to so as ever it can be big finish not big finish just anything that's been in your ears uh jay you go first uh everything that's come out that this month really and that's it 
Fair enough. It's been a. <laughs> I haven't been that adventurous with audios this month. It's been a busy old big finish month, actually. Um, mm-hmm. There's been quite a lot I've been looking forward to and quite a lot I've enjoyed. Uh, what about you, Connor? Um, I've been listening to, I'm, I'm, I'm one part from the end of it now, I've been listening to The Middle by Chris Chapman, um, who is an amazing writer for Doctor Who, and I don't think I've heard a bad one from him. I love, I, I really love um, Plight of the Pimpernel, actually. It's, it's I think, one of my top uh, sex doctor stories, full stop, and The Middle's quite possibly going to end up there as well. Um, really interesting concept. Really, really... I, I love that team. I love the Sixth Doctor, uh, Constance and Flip together. Um, and I love the vibe that you know having, a younger a younger companion from the twenty first century and an older companion from, um, you know the twentieth century. So you have you know Flip sort of, is a little bit more. Flip has the foresight that you know Constance doesn't. Um, that really comes out to play in um. It's another Chris Chapman story, actually. It is Scorched Earth. Oh, amazing! Um, which is brilliant. So I and you know, whereas you know, Constance should feel like, um, you know, the more mature companion, and you know, but I think the two of them, you know, really help each other learn. You know, they learn a lot from one another, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and the middle is is great that you know society has sort of been turned on its head and the different stages you know the older generations work harder than the younger um you know towards that society's goals i really really love it um and i'm i'm, I'm having an absolute ball listening to it at the moment i think that sort of constants and flip run is consistently fantastic there are so many very good and different stories in there and it is as you say a fantastic dynamic between the two companions um and while we're praising chris chapman um we've already mentioned my favorite story of his today which is warzone oh yes warzone was chris chapman so yeah um was and we've mentioned another one of his he did had a story in uh, the 11 didn't he so Mm -hmm. it's it's sort of stealthily been quite a chris chapman heavy episode (laughs) even though he's not had a release this month um, it's just a testament to how good a Doctor Who writer he is. Absolutely, yeah. So let, let's do a Chris Chapman episode sometime. Yes, please. Yes, let's do that. That's a plan. So I said that what we're listening to is the last ever section. I lied because what are we looking forward to next month? I've not asked you that yet. Uh, so Jay, you go first. Uh, classic Doctor's new monsters, the stuff of nightmares without a shadow of a doubt. It was the first... Big, the the first volume was the first big finish I've ever listened to. The second box it has such a sentimental reason for me that why I love it, and the third one I'm so excited for because I love this range so much. I'm I'm so glad it's coming back. Uh, what about you, Connor? Um, yes, I'm looking forward to Classic Doctor's New Monsters. I'm I'm I quite like that they've gone for. Um, maybe less obvious choices for the monsters that were getting a little bit more, you know, obscure or or one-time appearance monsters. So that's quite neat. I'm looking forward to those being expanded on. But I think I'm going to pick Unit Brave New World. I think uh, a Bambera... I was going to say a Bambera spin-off, but a Bambera appearance full stop is, is well overdue. I think she's only been in one big finish before. Um, One of the Lost Stories. Her fave, wasn't it? 
that uh, yeah, I think that's it, maybe. No, it was but... uh, Animal. Oh, oh yes, that was it. That was I it. Listened to it fairly um, recently. She's also been in the last Unit Nemesis set, so. Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, she was very good in it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I did enjoy Bambera meeting Kate Stewart. Um, I'm I really can't pick from this next month. There's there's a lot to look forward to there. We've got a Bill story, uh, audio novels about with Emancipation of the Daleks. Um, and as far as I'm aware, this is Bill's first appearance in Big Finish Media. Um, so that's one to look forward to. I am looking forward to Beyond the War Games because the more I hear about it, the more sort of bonkers a concept it sounds as to how this second Doctor we have in it exists and how he continues Beyond the War Games. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you that uh, Brave New World is particularly exciting. Um, about the Bambera spin-off that we should have got a long time ago, you could argue. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I, I like that they're setting up her up with her own team and it's what looks to be like their own original threats as well. So I think it's maybe going to feel a little bit more like a spin-off than, than you know, big finish sets sometimes can. Um, I, I think it's going to have a, quite a good identity of its own, really. And we've, we've heard the theme as well, uh, which sounds amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds so good. Fantastic. I, I'm kind of hoping that they make it very of the time it's set, because obviously it's going to be mm-hmm. it's going to be set mid nineties ish, isn't it? If it's a Bambera like series, like um, Dominion. Um, well, yeah, sort of slightly later than Dominion, I guess. I suppose the nearest thing to compare it to would be uh, the uh, Eric Roberts Master series, which mm. it's almost as if. After the movie went out, they went, right, well, we're not going to do any more on telly, but let's do an audio series of The Master. And it's this mad 90s sci-fi pilot um, that they do. And it's absolutely great. So I'm hoping they kind of do that. I hope they kind of tap into 90s sort of military espionage, espionage you know, think the films yes. that came out at the time, think that kind of thing. And, yeah, there's definitely um, there's definitely scope for it to be, as you say, something unique and pretty special. Um, well, we definitely have reached the end of the podcast now, so uh, a big thank you to everybody that has listened. Um, a big thank you to Chris Chapman for the brilliant stories that we've referenced, even though we weren't meant to be talking about any of them. Uh, and a big thanks to Jay. Thank you. Goodbye. And a big thank you and goodbye to Connor. Thank you very much. And um, we'll do this again sometime soon. Thank you. Goodbye now.